So if you have your Bibles, your electronic devices, you can turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5 is, is where we are today. We've been in the series, Authentic. We've been walking through the, the Beatitudes, and we've been taking a, a Beatitude every week, and we've been applying it to, to our life. And so the Beatitudes was the intro into the Sermon on the Mount. It was like the greatest sermon that, that Jesus ever preached. Uh, Jesus was a phenomenal con- communicator. He was the greatest communicator. Uh, when Jesus preached, like nobody was like tempted to play Candy Crush or anything like that. Uh, they were just they were totally dialed in to what Jesus had for them that day. And so today we're going to end this series um, and we're going to look at this issue. Well, I've entitled the message Tried and True, but we're going to look at this issue of, of what it means to, to go through uh, harassment, persecution, uh, for your faith, to where, to where may, maybe you came to Christ at a time in your life and, and, and there weren't a lot of people around you that like supported that decision. Maybe there were some people around you that, that criticized your decision for following Christ. Uh, maybe you met Christ and as a result of that, you couldn't go to the same places that you once went to and, and you couldn't do some of the things that you once were able to do. And so as a result of that, maybe some friends criticized you, maybe some family criticized you. And so today we're going to look at this issue of what it means to go through uh, a time in your life to where there's opposition to your faith, to there's some criticism to your faith, or maybe even some, some harassment. And so, so Jesus, in the, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus went, I'm sorry, in the Beatitudes, he went all the way through the Beatitudes and said, if these things are in place in your life, then you, may be, you, you will get some opposition to your faith. In other words, if you, if you live a godly life, then it's, it's not going to be popular in the society and in the times in, in which you live. And so Jesus gave us some upfront information, and there's a couple of things that he wanted us to know. He wanted us to know what to anticipate and then what to remember. He wanted us to know two things, that what, what to anticipate. There's some things that you're going to need to anticipate if you're going to live a godly life, if you're going to live a life for me. And then there's some things that, you know what, when you go through those, those times, there's going to be some things that you need to remember. When you're, when you're feeling peer pressure, maybe you're being harassed or ridiculed or maligned or criticized uh, or whatever for, for your faith. And so now many of us will never experience persecution like the first century church did are some other places in the world, which we'll talk about. And so we may, never, we may never have the persecution that other places have, whether it's torture, imprisonment, and all of those other things. But we do on a, on a daily basis. If you live for Christ, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna feel some peer pressure because we live in a time, we live in a world that wants you to conform to their values. They want you to conform to their values. They want you to conform to their, their value system. And so there's the, like this subtle pressure uh, with Christians to where that, that we just we don't take our, our biblical beliefs and talk about them in the public square or in public or the workplace or anything like that. We're just supposed to keep them to ourselves. We just come to that place where we're just supposed to blend in and we just we just kind of we just kind of conform. And so when we don't conform and when we don't blend in or when we talk about our Christian values, whether it's whether it's right to life or any of those other things, that all of a sudden there's criticism that can come as a result of that. So here's what Jesus said as we end this series on the Beatitudes, Matthew chapter 5, verse 10. He said, God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heavens is theirs. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you, because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad. 
For, great, for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. So Jesus did not say that, that you, are, you are blessed when you're persecuted for any reason. Jesus was very specific when he says that you are blessed when you are persecuted for, for living a righteous life. When, when you're living a life following God in a, very, um, in a very passionate way that people know that you're a follower of his. Uh, Paul writes to, to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12 and says, Yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. So today I want to take you through just a couple of things that if you're going to live a life that is tried and true uh, through, through, um, through these issues of life, then, there, then there's a couple of things that you need to remember. The first one is this. You need to remember, you need to know what to anticipate. Jesus helped us to know what to anticipate in life. In other words, that Jesus wanted to be upfront about this. Jesus said several times in Scripture that if, if you are going to follow me, then, then there will come a time of, of criticism. And so we shouldn't be surprised when, pre, when the pressure uh, comes to conform to this world. We shouldn't expect everybody around us to support our decision to follow Christ. And Jesus made it very clear that if you're, if you're going to follow him, that there could be a price to be paid. In fact, is one of, one of the signs of being a Christ follower is this willingness to, to, to live a life that is dedicated to him to where sometimes there is a price to be paid. Paul was writing to young Timothy who was going to uh, be this new pastor in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10, and he writes these words and he says, he says, but you, Timothy, certainly know what I teach and how I live and what my purpose in life is. You know my faith, my patience, my love, and my endurance. You know how much persecution and suffering I have endured. You know all about how I was persecuted in Antioch and Iconium and Lystra. But the Lord rescued me from all of it. Yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ, Jesus will suffer persecution. Now, a lot of times, a lot of times we don't like that, right? A lot of times we don't like the parts of Scripture that says, you know what, there may be times that we go through in life to where we're going to, People are going to mock us. People are going to belittle us. People are going to make fun of us. Or even people are going to persecute us for our faith. But the Bible says over and over and over that if you choose to live a godly life and follow him and live your life based upon the values of Scripture and not the values of the world, that not everybody's going to like that. And not everybody's going to encourage you to live a life like that. And so Jesus said there, there's like three things that are going to happen uh, when you live a life that align with Scripture. One is this. Jesus says that, that you will be in, insulted. There will be times that you go through in life and you will be, you will be insulted. Uh, verse 11, again, in Matthew chapter 5 says, God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my f followers. In other words, this, that if, if, you, if you live a godly life, there may be people in your school or in the workplace or in a community that, that, that label you or give you labels or, or call you names or, or make fun of you or even insult you. fact is, in the Greek, when you look at this word insult, it literally means to, to mock, to, to belittle, to, to, to be put down, to even castigate. I mean, it, it's, like this, it's like this vicious word that describes using your tongue to bite and to devour someone. It's like, it's like this... It's like this constant gnawing. It's like this constant talking. It's like this constant criticism that, that someone criticizes another. And so one of the things that we can learn from, from this verse is this, is that, is that if you're, if you're going to live a godly life, it may not be popular with everybody. 
And there may be people that insult you or criticize you or belittle you or make fun of you for your Christian faith and your Christian values. And so when, when we realize that, that, you know what, insults really aren't, insults aren't going to kill us. And when people make fun of us, it's not going to kill us. And when someone calls us a name or labels us, it's not going to kill us. But, but for some reason, it bothers us deeply. Listen, I'm, it took me years to, to, to learn this, especially because of the, because of the family that I came out of. Uh, in, in, in our family, uh, the, the way that, that we as children were, were corrected or the way that we were controlled was, was by giving or, or taking approval. In other words, this, whenever you realize that you, you no longer had the approval of mom and dad, then all of a sudden you'd do everything in your life to try to change things, to, to get their approval again. And, and, and we really never, we never really got that. And it took me years as an adult to finally understand, and, and this, this set me free in my life. It, it, it liberated me, and it might, would liberate you if you understand this. And the statement is this, is that, is that I don't need anybody's approval to be happy. I, I don't need anybody's approval to be happy. I'm telling you, if you can learn this, it can help you to, to, to live a Christian life in such a way that you understand that, you know what, I, I don't need anybody's approval to be happy. Because otherwise, you're living your life for what other people think rather than what God made you to be. And you cannot be who God made you to be if you're worried about what everybody else around you thinks. Listen, I, I do not need the approval of everybody to be happy. And, and the person that you've been trying to get approval from for, for maybe many years, and it may be a parent, it may be someone significant in your life, listen, if you haven't gotten their approval by now, I'm telling you, chances are, chances are you're not going to get it. But, but the good news is this, you don't need it. You don't need anybody's approval in life in order to be happy. Listen, you and I were as happy as we choose to be. And, and we learn to focus on God rather than focus on the people who disapprove of us. Because if we, if we build into this false belief in our life that we need the approval of someone else to be happy, then you know what we focus on? You know who we focus on? We're focused on the person that disapproves of us. And it can always leave us frustrating or, or frustrated or, or wanting more or, or whatever whenever we don't get their approval. And when I focus on God, I focus on what He wants, not on what other people think because, because I don't need and you don't need the approval of other people to be happy. Happiness is, is a choice. And so when, when, you're, when you're insulted, when, when you're labeled, when you're criticized, when you're judged, when you're ridiculed, or when you're, when you're slighted, the Scripture says, congratulations, that's like, that's like a compliment. That's a compliment that, that you're a follower of Christ. That's why, that's why Jesus says, be glad, be, be very happy. If nobody ever criticizes you for your faith, what is that saying about your faith? I mean, do you look different from the world? Do you look different from the world system? Or do you just kind of blend in? If you're never criticized, then, then maybe you need to ask yourself, how much of Christ am I displaying? How much of our Christ am I displaying in the world and in, in the society in which I live? If nobody's ever, ever noticed that you're a follower of Christ, then what, is, what does that say about you following Christ? I mean, I, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but, but the, 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 more, the more positive you are, 
uh, many times the, the, the more negative people dislike you, right? I mean, have you ever noticed that, that negative people really don't like positive people? And if you're just positive and you're happy, then all of a sudden negative people, that they, they don't like that. Um, somebody asked a, a lady one time, they said, uh, do, you, do you ever? She was just always like happy. And so they asked her, they said, do you, do you ever wake up grumpy? And she goes, no, I just let him sleep. So a lot of, listen, a lot of times, if you, if you want to bother negative people, just be happy. If you, want to, if you want to bother people, help them to understand, you know what, I, I don't need anybody's approval to be happy. I'm telling you, that will set you free. That will set you free when you understand that, listen, you are living for the approval of one. And you're living for him. The second thing that Jesus said that you need to anticipate it is this, is Jesus said, you will be harassed. You will go through times that you can be harassed for, for your faith. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 11 said, God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. And so what he's saying is this. He's saying that, that you will be persecuted, which means that you will be harassed. You will be mistreated. Maybe you'll, maybe you'll be overlooked in a, in a situation. I mean, in the Greek, this word harass literally means to be pursued, to drive, to, to chase away, uh, for someone to treat you in, a, in, a, in, an evil, in an evil way. And so, you know, you, you can read about church history when you read the scriptures and you realize that, that like the second century, in the second century, uh, the early followers of Christ, uh, they, they were martyred for their faith. I mean, when they, when they lived out their faith, when they did not conform to the world's values, that they were, they were persecuted, they were tortured. Uh, when they, when the, they wouldn't say that Caesar is Lord because they, and, and because they believed and they, that Jesus is Lord, uh, that they were persecuted. Whenever they were caught secretly worshiping Jesus Christ, they were drugged out of their homes, and many times they were tortured and killed in front of family, in front of in coliseums, and everything else. Now listen... America may never see that. We may never see that in, in our lifetime, but that doesn't mean it doesn't exist around the world. fact is, there, there are estimates that there are over 100 million Christians in our world that are living in countries where there's dictators, where Christianity isn't popular, where they're being tortured, where they're being persecuted, where they're being harassed, where they're being mistreated. fact is, it's an interesting statistic, but before Desert Storm in Iraq, there are 1.3 million Christians in Iraq. You know how many there are today? Less than 100,000. North Korea right now, the numbers of North Korea, there are 70,000 Christians today that have been imprisoned for their faith. And they're being tortured. And they're being harassed. And they're being mistreated. So just because this isn't going on in America doesn't mean that our brothers and sisters in Christ and other par parts of the world are not feeling the pressure of harassment or persecution to this level. I, I, I never will forget uh, one, of the, one of the mission trips that, that just is just influenced me so much, I guess, in my life was, was I was in Bialystok, Poland, and, and that was during the Cold War, and so we were in Bialystok, Poland, and, and so it, it wasn't popular uh, at that time, for sure, for government restrictions and some other things to, to be a Christian. And so we, we were in there because we, we were tourists, but we were doing mission work. And so we had worked our way over to, to Beatlestock, Poland. That's where the majority of the, the, the nuclear fallout had, 
had, had landed or, or come because of Chernobyl. And so we're, we're doing mission work there. And so a, a lot of, the, a lot of the, the things that we were doing is when people met Christ, they still had to be secret about it. There's still a little bit of a secret church that we were meeting with there. And so when we were in Beattlestock, Poland, someone told me a story about a man. He was, he was in his late 70s at this time, and he, he lived near, near the Russian border. And he had this ministry that he would smuggle Bibles into Russia. And that was his lifelong ministry. And as a result of that, he, he was captured a lot of times. He was beaten for his faith. He was mistreated for his faith. And, and I don't know why, but I wanted to meet him. And so I asked the missionary, I, I said, is there any way you can get me a meeting with that guy? I, I, I would love to meet a guy that lived his life just smuggling Bibles into Russia when it was really illegal at the, at the threat of losing his life. And so the missionary says, well, I'll make a call. I, I know a friend, you know how that works. And so, uh, so he came back. He says, you know what? We're, we've been invited to his house. And so we got in the car. We traveled for about a day. We're, I mean, we're right up against the, the Russian borders where this individual lived. Uh, we went into his house, and he was an elderly man, of course, at that time, and, and frail. And so he, he took us into his, his study, and he had this study, and he had these bookcases, and, and then he had secret bookcases, and that's where he, that's where he stored his Bibles. And so he, he, didn't, and so he, 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 he told us that, that he, made, he made numerous trips into to Russia, and he would, he would take and he smuggled a chapter of the Bible uh, at a time. And he would take his jacket and he would cut the inseams out and he would take pages of the Bible and he would, he would line his jackets with pages of the Bible so it wasn't real obvious. He would sew the, the jacket back together. He would go into Russia and he says, you know, and he says, I was caught many times and whatever. I was caught smuggling a, a chapter of the Bible in. He said they, they would beat me. He, uh, all of the teeth had been knocked out of his, his, his mouth and, and you could tell he had all kinds of other issues from, from being beaten. So I asked him, I says, do you, do you mind me asking you, uh, how many, how many Bibles, how many Bibles have you smuggled into Russia? He said 11. A chapter at a time, that's 66 books in the Bible. That was his life, that was his ministry. And I, and I asked him, I says, do you know the impact? He goes, no. He said, I, I just know this. When I go over there, I connect with this, the secret church and, and the pages of the Bibles are, are being circulated within the, the secret church in, in Russia. And I, I get stories of people meeting Christ in the church meeting, but, but, but I don't know. I, I, I just know this. This is what God has called me to do. This is what God has called me to do. And I'll continue to do it as long as, long as I can. And, and the scripture talks about that if you're, if you're going to live out your faith, in your workplace or in the community or, or wherever, that you will go through times of being mistreated. You will go through times that you'll be harassed. The third thing that Jesus said that we need to anticipate is this. Jesus said, you, you, will, be, you will be lied about. Jesus said, if you, if you live out your faith, there are times that people are going to misunderstand you and they're going to misjudge you and they're, they're, going to say some, they're going to say some things about you that are just absolutely not true. They're, they're going to malign you. And so Jesus said in Matthew chapter, 5, Matthew chapter 5, verse 11, he said, God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and, and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because, because you're, you're my followers. 
And many times we as Christians, if we're not careful, that many Christians will live their life for the, for the applause of, of the world. And they will long for the approval of their friends because they believe that they need the approval of everybody just to be happy. And so they begin to lower their value system and they, they no longer live distinctive lives and they no longer live a life that's different. They, they just want to live a life that's socially acceptable. And so the scripture talks about this issue that if you stand for what is right, if you stand for righteousness, if you stand for your belief in Christ, that there will be some people that will misunderstand that. There will be some people that will lie about you. There will be some people that will insult you. There will be some people that will, will malign you. And so the question is, 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 do you want to stand for Christ? And do you want to stand for Christ for, Christ for what is right? And Jesus says that if, if you take a stand, that people may talk about you. In fact, as Paul, again, was writing to, to young Timothy, and Timothy was a, was a new pastor, and he, he says, Timothy, I, I want you to be aware of some things. And, and in, in 2 Timothy chapter 23, verse um, and through 26, he says this. He says, again, I say, don't get involved in foolish arguments or ignorant arguments that only start fights. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone. Be able to teach and be patient with difficult people. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts and they will learn the truth. Then they will come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap, for they have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. So here's, here's the interesting thing Paul is saying, and Paul is helping Timothy understand as a pastor. He's saying, you know what, Timothy, there, there's some people that are non-Christians. There's some people that do not have the Holy Spirit in their life, and so they, they don't realize it. They're, they're, like, they're, they're like a pawn. They're like a pawn of Satan, and, and they're going to cause you some problems. And he, and he told Timothy, he said, Timothy, as, as a Lord's servant, as a pastor, do not quarrel. Do not get into heated discussions. I mean, so many times as Christians, I think that we get into heated discussions and arguments, sometimes over the issues that don't matter, sometimes over our issues of preference. And so what Paul is telling Timothy is that if you, if you want to reach people, it, just learn, do not quarrel. Fact is, I, fact is, I quoted, I quoted this, this verse to, a, to, to an individual in our community just, just a few months ago. I do a lot with, 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 uh, with local government, and, and I'm in a lot of different environments, and there was a man that was, was angry that I was there, and I'm a pastor, and I was going to pray, and so he's like angry about that, and so he was letting me know how angry he was about that, and then all of a sudden he wanted to get into the, like this heated argument uh, over scripture. And so I, I just looked at him and says, I'm so sorry. As much as I'd like to quarrel with you, I can't. I said, the Bible tells me, you know what? I, I can't quarrel with you and I can't argue with you. But here, here's what I know. I know what Christ has done for me. And I know because of that, that I have, a, I have eternal life and I have peace and I have purpose to, in, in my life. And so Paul was telling Timothy that as a believer, that you have to come to that place to realize that, you know what? Listen, you do not have to attend every argument you're invited to. And that's what he was telling. First Peter chapter 2, verse 23, here's what, here's what Simon Peter wrote. He said, talking about Jesus, he said, he did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. 
In other words, you have to come to that place in life to where you, you refuse to retaliate. You are most like Christ when, when, you, when you don't strike back at someone that has hurt you. You're most like, like Jesus when you don't attack someone who's attacked you. You are, you are, you are, you are most like Jesus when, when you, you don't return personal insult for personal insult or gossip for gossip. Because any time that I react to an individual in anger, I give control to that person. Anytime I re react to someone who has poked me, who has lied about me, who has insulted me, who has criticized me, I give control to that individual. And, 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 and you don't want to do that. You don't want to give up that control in life. Listen, you cannot control what people do. And you cannot control what people say. But you can control your reactions. You can control what you say. That's what, that's what Paul was saying to Timothy. Timothy, as a Lord's servant... Do not get involved in quarrels. Do not get involved in heated discussions. I mean, have you ever told someone, you make me so mad? Man, you've just admitted who's in control. You just have admitted who is in control of you. They are. And when you say, you make me mad, and, you, and, and you, you're saying that, you know what, I don't want to be mad, but you, you have made me mad. You are admitting that they are now controlling you. And you should only get mad when you, get, when you want to get mad. And there's something Scripture talks about, righteous anger, that we should get upset about. But it should be our choice. And so Jesus said there's some things, that if you're going to live a godly life, there's some things that you need to anticipate. And then he said, if you're going to be tried and true, when you go through those times of insult and people harassing you and talking about you, there are some things that you need to remember. And so I, I, I want to give those to you just real quickly. So there are some things that, that you need to remember. The first one is this. You need to remember great is your reward. You, re, you need to remember great is your reward. When I, when I was in Beta Adelstock, Poland, and I was talking to this gentleman in, 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 his, in, his, in his study, the, the guy that had so, uh, smuggled so many Bibles into, into Poland or into Russia. And so I asked him, I said, do you, do you understand, do you know the impact? Do you know the number of lives that have been changed? What's going on about that? And he says, you know what, all I do, I take the Bibles in. And he says, I, I really don't hear much. But, and, and then he looked at me and he says, but you know what I've learned? My reward isn't on this earth. He said, great, it will be my reward in heaven. And that's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 12. He said, be happy about it, be very glad, for, for, for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in, in the same way. James writes in James 4.14, he writes and he says, how do you know what your life is, will, will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the, the morning fog. It's here a little while and then it's gone. And so Jesus was saying, in, in the Beatitudes, he was saying, you have to remember great is your reward. And so here's the point. Nope, not, no matter what, what you do, listen, no matter what you do in life, somebody's not going to like it. There's nothing that you can do to make everybody happy. I mean, there's always going to be someone that doesn't like what you're going to do. And so, so you can't make everybody like you. You cannot make everybody happy. So you might as well... Do the things God likes rather than the things that other people like because they aren't really going to matter in eternity. And if you're going to suffer, if you're going to have people oppose you, if you're going to have people disapprove of you, you may as well have the disapproval for doing the right thing, for doing the thing that God wants you to do rather than the wrong thing. 
And so what, what Jesus is talking about is this issue is remember, great is your reward. And you are building a life for eternity. The last thing is this, as he said, he says, and great is, great is your company. Great is your company. In other words, you are in great company. Verse 12, again, at the end of verse 12, he says, and remember the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. And when you go through the Old Testament, you realize that many of the great prophets were, were persecuted for speaking truth and speaking the word of the Lord and delivering the word of the Lord. It's just that society or the kings or the governments didn't like the word that the prophets were given. Zechariah, as a result of the, <coughs> excuse me, Zechariah, a result of the word that he had been preaching, was, was stoned. Jeremiah lived a lifetime of faithful ministry, and finally they got to the point that they tortured him, and they threw him in a, in a dungeon. Isaiah, his own people, the own, his own people that he was trying to help, they put him in a log, and they sawed him in two. And, and so many people didn't like what the, what the men and the women were saying in the Old Testament from God. And as a result of that, they, they, they were persecuted. As a result of that, they were harassed and they were, they were lied about and they were, they were talked about. It's interesting to me in the, in, the, in the Beatitudes, they start off and they end the same way. Verse 3 and verse 11, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's why Jesus said over and over, just remember, remember you are not only in great company, but great is your reward, and we are building a life that, that counts, and that counts for eternity. Paul said, in, <coughs> Paul said in Romans chapter 12, verse 21, he said, don't let e evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. There's something about the confidence of walking in God's will in your life. And knowing that you are living a life to, to please Him, living out your faith in Christ. And maybe, maybe God is asking you to take a step of faith this, this next week. And maybe, maybe to have the courage to risk someone harassing you or, or talking about you or belittling you or labeling you. Maybe there's that person in your workplace that you need to tell them about Christ and about the relationship that, that you have. Or maybe you need to take a stand and start living for Christ in a, in, in a way that aligns with Scripture. Maybe you've accepted Christ and maybe you've never come to that place to where you've decided to follow Him in, in believer's baptism for whatever reason. And maybe for you it's a decision that, you know what, I, I'm going to follow Him. He set the example of being baptized by immersion, and so I'm, I'm going to follow him. And I'm going to publicly identify with him, even though there may be some criticism that comes as a result of that. I don't know what God has for you, but I know that God has something for every one of us this next week.